Welcome back to Actors with Issues, the weekly podcast where we interview the rising stars of TV, film, and Broadway, giving you an inside look at the entertainment industry from the ground level. I'm your host, Juan Ayala, and today I am joined by Texas-born stage and screen actor, dancer, and writer, uh, Pedro Garza, who has previously worked on the national tours of Anastasia and the smash hit musical Hamilton. And Pedro will be appearing in the upcoming second season of The Other Two in a guest starring role coming soon to HBO Max. Pedro, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course, happy to have you here. Uh, so we're going to do something a little different today. Uh, usually end of the show with like a rapid fire round of questions, uh, but figured we can just do one at the top with some easier questions in a new segment um, at the top of the show called Getting to Know You. And we'll start with an easy one. Uh, coffee or tea? Tea. Uh, drama or comedy? Comedy. Plays or musicals? Plays. Screen acting or stage acting? Both. <laughs> what's the worst side job that you've had oh god i remember one summer between my years at school i was believe it or not mowing lawns and fixing uh a bunch of ac units and just doing a lot of um handyman work okay. around my hometown so that was very very humbling because <laughs> i <laughs> on the job yeah uh where do you find yourself on your day off usually on a hike uh what was the first job that you ever had first official job i think i was a caterer in high school for uh, a little while yeah that was it uh what's a movie that never fails to make you laugh Ooh, these are good questions to make <laughs> me laugh wow i love i really love my best friend's wedding with julia roberts mm. it's like a feel-good film for me What's a movie that never fails to make you cry? Coco. Same. Yeah, absolutely. Right at the end. Right at the end. <laughs> Every Latino just in tears. Yeah, uh, true. I feel like everyone just kind of felt that. It was a visceral response through all the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> they understand. If you could master any accent, which would it be? Oh, Scottish. Uh, what's your go-to karaoke song? I very rarely do karaoke because it's scary to me <laughs> but <laughs> if i were to sing one i feel like it would be hmm, probably like maybe one more time by britney spears honestly and uh, what is the show that you have watched through multiple times the office good answer yeah. <laughs> uh into our interview so you were born in texas and yeah. uh when did you first start performing and when did you make the career move to pursue acting full-time yeah i was a very energetic kid, as I feel like many performers can kind of say about themselves. When I was really young, I used to, we had this big four by four piece of plywood in the garage for some reason. I don't know why we had it there, but when they were cleaning out, um, they were playing music and I kind of just like threw the plywood down and like stood on top of it and like gave them a show. Um, and I was probably six or seven. So at that point they kind of figured like we need to put him in something because he's, <laughs> <laughs> like it's gonna be too much energy for us all summer so i did some like creative summer camps um and then started doing local uh community shows you know junior productions of aladdin or godspell or high school musical of course just around town and did my high school musical productions um singing in the rain how to succeed in business grease uh, and then around, I guess I was probably about 16 or 17. I was like, oh, I can 
I think I can try and do this for a living. I didn't, I didn't really fathom that that was an option for me, mm. you know, especially going into college. I remember really thinking about how I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me on stage right. a lot, um, you know, disregarding in the Heights. Um, there weren't a lot of Latino actors on stage. And so I just kind of put that in the back of my mind, tried to ignore it and just pursued my dream anyway. Um, and it was interesting because while studying drama um, at Ithaca, I Hamilton came out. And so that was a very big tidal wave of representation and awareness about representation in the theater community. So that was an interesting thing to start my career with the knowledge of too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's literally, I mean, with most um, people of color, there's only a very small handful of shows that they can name. If you're Latino, it's West Side Story in the Heights, Hamilton. Can you even say Evita? Because white people have been in that show more than anyone else. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, and then there was one other one. Oh, Kiss of the Spider Woman. It like takes place in. Which needs a revival soon, I say. It does. That uh, sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. No, there really are only a handful of shows. And you kind of go into these auditions thinking, am I going to be the one POC actor that's going to make the cut, you know, out of the three slots that they may have in this show? I hope that that um, culture is changing, especially given this last year. Yeah. Um, I hope an awareness and an inclusion and an expansion of their minds it comes to creatives yeah. and casting and people in power. And I hope more POCs make it to those positions as well, too. Yeah. I hope those avenues are created for them. Yeah. yeah, especially in terms of casting, you know, we always with In the Heights and, and um, the, with, um, I don't know if you've seen the movie yet. Um, yeah. But with, you know, there were accusations of colorism, things like that. And I'm thinking to myself, hearing these interviews and whatnot, I'm like, it's such an important topic, but it needs to be told to the right people. Don't ask the actors in the movie about a lack of representation. Go talk to the casting team. Yeah, I think, you know, like, that's a good point. And I think there, um, there are members of the, there are creative team members that have handled the criticism uh, well. And there are others that have handled it less well, let's yeah. say, um, and have taken maybe it personally. But there are people that there, you know, I feel personally that Lynn has really um, taken this critique in stride, yeah. which I think is the best thing to do because while we can acknowledge that the movie may have fallen short in one way, it really rose up in yeah. many more ways. Right. The fact that this many Latinx people are in a movie mm -hmm. alone should be celebrated. Yeah. And I feel like we can't let something that is obviously something that, you know, a flaw that needs to be improved upon outshine the entire uh, the work that's been done because I, I, I worry that that, you know, people in power in Hollywood, especially white male, cis male people in power will look at this and see and see that it was, oh, it was a gamble that didn't pay off because it'll never it'll never please everybody. As you know, I, I, I don't want that to be a risk in people's minds. I want us, I want them to know that <laughs> that we can make good movies, so that people yeah. that look like us and have our stories can make brilliant movies and tell brilliant stories. Yeah. Um, thankfully, in the last six months or so, I have noticed 
in terms of the auditions coming my way because I as much as I love singing and Broadway and whatnot I've gone more to the TV film side of stuff um, I've just been very fortunate in that regard um, but just noticing a lot of the films that are current that were casting months ago and are now in production are very um, you know Latinx centric uh, they're doing a, a revival or a reboot of um, Father of the Bride but Andy Garcia is playing Steve Martin's character Love and Andy. they're doing an, an, a remake of another movie called The Valet that was a French film but they're doing it with like a Latino cast in LA so it's like okay so we're, we're getting there you know slowly um, but we also keep in mind that In the Heights the movie was made two years ago so yeah, I, you know I feel like we keep forgetting that too <laughs> yeah it was supposed to come out in the middle of the pandemic last year yeah, it came out this year, the pandemic and yeah. So I love asking this question because you know no two actors' paths are alike, and everyone always has something so different to share. Um, especially in now over a year we've been doing the show. Um, so is there anything that you've learned or now know that you wish you had learned earlier on in your career? I, other than the wisdom that kind of just comes with time and age, you know, better taking care of my body and my facility. Because um, mm. eight shows a week is really no joke. And traveling while doing that is even more, even less of a joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so understanding what my body needs um, and what my mind and my mentality and my health, uh, my psychological health needs too, has been, um, it's been, a, it's been a journey. You know, it, it's something that I um, thought I understood at, you know, 21 or 22 coming out of school, mm-hmm. um, but really had no clue, you know? And so, that it's been kind of this unlayering of sorts to think, oh, this is unnecessary. This aspect of myself, these people, these energies that I don't need around me anymore, I don't need to put my energy into. And so that's been healing in many, many ways. Um, yeah, and I've really been grateful, especially with the pandemic, that's kind of been rearing its head too, because people, a lot of people and a lot of actors and performers have used their shows or their jobs to distract them from something that they yeah needed to face the whole time. I'm guilty of that too. And so I think it was a good moment to sit and be with myself and understand a lot about who I was um, away from a job or a paycheck or a role and to understand the organic artistic self that I am um, and to come naturally to that was really a blessing. Um, And also kind of I knew this early on, thankfully too, um, but I've understood it a lot more, but I really think that young actors don't know the power of no, of the Mm. word no, um, because the capitalist culture and especially the capitalist culture's influence on performing arts has made everyone wanna just say yes to any sort of shred of work um, that comes their way. You know, it's a reasonable um, want, but I think knowing your worth from an early age is powerful and it's intimidating. I think people are going to really, really think that you're kind of too big for your britches in a way, but there's no rule that says just because one person had it rough for X amount of years that, you know, that you've had, that you have to have it the same way. Um, And if they want you to have it the same way than them, then that's on them. That's a, that's a problem that they need to do. Um, so just knowing your value and what your time and energy and talent should be devoted to and what they shouldn't be. Yeah. That's something that I have grown to learn in the last couple, because I've, I've only been in New York for a couple of years now, but I'm from Connecticut originally. So I'm like an hour away from here uh, usually. 
Uh, and it's something that I learned very early on was a very toxic part of the industry was people, cause there's a people who say like, you need to learn the power of no. And then other people who are the complete opposite, like you shouldn't say no to any work. You need to take anything that comes your way. And I'm like, do I really need to do another unpaid short film that I'm never going to get footage from? Like, you know, like, or an unpaid, you know, theater production that's just to keep me busy. That's mm -hmm. not going to help. And then, you know, and people talk about exposure. There's going to be lots of exposure, lots of networking. It's like, these are like buzzwords that, will attract any young actor who's, you know, fresh right. in New York or in LA, but it ends up burning you and you're, you know, it's just very difficult for a lot of actors to, to reach their goals by doing that. And I, I totally agree with you, you know, definitely learning when to say no and how powerful that can be because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you're the only person looking out for yourself and right. for your own mental health and your own, you know, when you're burnt out, you know, so. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, even throughout this pandemic, um, there have been opportunities that I've volunteered my time and energy for. And mm -hmm. it's only because I sat down with myself and thought, is this going to bring me joy? And am I going to be right. proud of this work? And if the answers are both yes, then I was like, okay, yeah. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, and they had and they did. And I'm glad I did them. All the ones that I did for free right. throughout this time, uh, I don't regret. So, um, yeah, just like ciphering through those and knowing which ones you're going to be proud of and that will bring you um, happiness in a way. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, so we're going to go into a little segment called Whirl, uh, W-R-L. So the first question is, what are you currently watching? Like for the first time, that's new. For the first time, Game of Thrones. Really? <laughs> I, but I know, I'm so late to the game. I'm really late to the game. Well, I, on my first tour, I watched the last season. I just watched the last season of the, of the show. So I know what happens. Right. <laughs> um, but it was, you know, the social pressure of watching it with everybody and they knew what was happening and, you know, they'd react. And so I'd be like, oh, that, you know, I wouldn't know what was going on, but I just loved it. Um, so now uh, my partner is introducing me to um, the rest of the season. So we're mm -hmm. only on season, we're about to finish season two. So I'm excited to keep going through that. Um, Will and Grace is a really fun sitcom show from mm -hmm. the 90s. Um, I've been watching that for the first time. And uh, those are the main shows. Um, been watching a couple things on. We have a National Theater Live mm -hmm. um, app on our TV, yeah. so we've been doing that. Uh, I just watched a random Jodie Foster movie the other day called Flight Plan, which is actually really good. I'm a big Jodie Foster fan. Oh, so. I remember that movie. That was a good movie. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Well, Jodie Foster can do no wrong in my eyes, so maybe other people would be a little more um, um, critical of it. <laughs> but she is brilliant to me. So yeah. it's from that mid-early 2000s. There are a lot of thrillers. Oh, yeah. You know, Taken yeah. Was, was one, and, you know, those sort of yeah. thriller very movies. Very that vibe. Very that vibe. Yeah. yeah. So that's been, yeah, so that's been good. And uh, the R in Whirl is, what are you currently reading? 
I am currently reading Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, mm. which um, a former um, artistic director, um, choreographer director that I worked with in Lexington, Kentucky. Her name mm. is uh, Lindy Franklin Smith. She introduced it to me. And it's a very, very, very good book. I recommend it to anybody. Uh, Brene Brown had a TED talk talking about vulnerability mm-hmm. a couple of years back. Um, and it just talks about how when you're in the ring, you want to surround yourself with people that are also in that arena with you. Mm-hmm. Basically, you know, people that are putting their work out there for scrutiny and approval, or, you know, just putting it out there for the world to see. Um, you don't want the naysayers and the critiques or the critics rather. Um, the people that sit in the stands and the bystanders, you don't want those people with you because they're just going to have, you know, they're just going to kind of put you down in a way. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really, really great. It's talk, it talks about how when you meet someone on that same limbic brain wavelength that you just connect immediately. There's really nothing like there's, it's unspoken. There's a connection there, like an mm-hmm. artistic or deep, deep, deep connection that you understand. Like we are on the same page most of the time, yeah. you know? And so it's, it's really interesting. I'm, excited to keep digging into it awesome and the l in world is what are you listening to so any albums or songs you're obsessing over right now <laughs> um i i've I fully listened to doja cat's new album it's really really <laughs> good um but there's also randomly i've been listening to um a woman named maz murray um mm. uh and if, if i'm pronouncing her name wrong i apologize um she's gonna listen to this i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> i got an angry letter <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah sorry she's like pedro mispronounced her name um she is a singer out in the west end and she uh plays she's a performer on the west end for she plays donna in mamma mia which is like okay. a guilty pleasure show of mine and so she sings <laughs> a, a cover of the winner takes it all mm. and it is it blows me out of the water it's so good and so i've probably put that on a loop for the last like four days mm-hmm. not even joking uh, i don't know if you're like me but i will randomly re-obsess over a particular broadway show it's usually sondheim i'm like why am i listening to sweeney todd at the gym no quite no one needs to know <laughs> yeah absolutely i think i listened to like sunday in the park with george fully through like a few days ago during breakfast yeah mm, such a good I show love- that's yeah. like a that's like a dream dream role for me george yeah. company yeah that. Uh, so you had mentioned a few of your past projects um, that had a really big influence on you were uh, Jerome Robbins Broadway and A Chorus Line. Uh, and what can you share about your experiences in those uh, in those two shows? Yeah, um, Jerome Robbins was at the Muni uh, in St. Louis, um, which was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, it was a cast of about 50 dancers, mm. like a, a huge, huge amount of dancers. And so that I, I had just come out of school and I worked there and that was a really amazing um, opportunity for me to meet so many dancers from all over New York city, mm-hmm. just that were in, from different facets that were, you know, I met um, Benani Vasquez, who was um, a dancer in Hamilton and she's also done the West side film. And so we became friends and just dancers from all different outlets, you know, from the ballet world and musical theater world. And mm-hmm. so that was a really, really amazing thing. Also just to do the iconic Jerome Robbins choreography taught by, um, Cynthia and Rubia, uh, she, who was Jerome's dance, it was, I think she was, assist, it was his assistant back mm-hmm. uh, for the original production in the 80s. Um, that was just really surreal. 
you know, to perform mm. on that stage. And so that was just really amazing. And then a chorus line I played, which is a chorus line is my all time favorite show. Like, you know, end all be all. Mm. Um, because I think it is so, it's so funny how specific and niche it is with the, the story, you know, the, um, with the story, with the, with the atmosphere of the story, you know, it's about mm. 17 dancers um, on a line in a theater. And the message is so incredibly universal that people who are not even in the arts world would come up to me after the show and just really confess a lot of emotional trauma, mm -hmm. honestly, or just, they would really just open up to me in a way that I never thought I could activate with my art. And so seeing that and knowing that that's the power that art holds, that my art can hold, there's really no going back from there. I've kind of always strived to to go with that, like, you know, to be at that level and move onward, mm -hmm. you know? And so it was just a beautiful experience with a wonderful cast. Um, and, you know, I got to dance my um, tush off <laughs> and, um, and say some beautiful, beautiful words and convey a story that was really close to my heart. And I will never ever forget that experience. And I hope to do that role uh, and tell that story uh, which is so close to my story uh, again in larger in a larger in a larger aspect of it I just want I want a lot of people to see this story and for it to get a lot of recognition uh, you know a lot of love <laughs> yeah. it's a beautiful show yeah it's such a classic show too and I feel like every theater I feel like the vast majority of actors have done it in some iteration at some point in their lives because yeah. it's just one of those iconic shows everyone knows that show it's like it's up there with like west side story and with some of the other classic like american shows that everybody knows of uh because i always ask my guests if there's any particular topic that they want to um to shed some light on that actors may be dealing with um and even though this episode's coming out after pride because today's the last day of, of pride month but conversations need to happen all the time um, we're not going to just do June and then never again. Um, so, uh, what you could share, um, about being queer and, uh, Mexican in the arts. Yeah. I know that with Latinos, there's a whole other cultural taboo against being part of the LGBTQ plus community. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a whole different conversation too. <laughs> um, there's a, there's a great community in theater. I will start with that because I feel like, um, when I came out, there was a good uh, chosen family surrounding me, mm. you know, open-minded, um, uh, loving, kind, accepting people that I had um, brought into my life or had come into willingly um, that were there for me whenever um, I came out. My coming out wasn't the best, not nearly, you know, and I think um, I had that support to fall back on, thankfully. Yeah. And I think, um, there's a lot of uh, uh, <laughs> um, close-mindedness surrounding um, queer people in, in, in theater, at least in like major roles. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's, that feels to me like it's breaking, oh, it's breaking open in a way. I think um, there was uh, three, you know, uh, in my first tour, there were, um, for one of the lead roles, all the covers were queer, mm -hmm. were gay men. And so that was like refreshing. The lead, the lead, no, the lead man in a principal, uh, like very Disney princessy, like prince, prince charming type of role, hmm. uh, was was gay. And so to have 
that be a sort of tell of, you know, maybe where the thing, where things are headed and just the more, the queer, you know, more queer stories are being told, more queer um, stories of people of color are being told too. And so I'm hoping that that's the direction that would keep spearheading. And I know we got to yeah. keep their feet to the fire and everything um, But I'm proud. I think um, I used to have a lot of resentment about being queer in theater, which I feel like maybe a lot of queer um, men in particular, I'm just going to say, I feel like a lot of queer men feel like they have to have this machismo and, you know, um, yeah. this, you know, men mentality. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you're like, if I'm not, a, you know, if I don't play straight, I'm never going to book anything in my life. Right. You know, and there's, there's, a, there's that fear. And I think I've great. I'm, I'm grateful to have embraced the feminine qualities that I have. Mm. Um, the tenderness that I speak with, you know, the, the, the softness that I have, um, because I used to really, really uh, just regret it. I used to resent it and I would, would try to hide it and suppress it. And yeah. I think it was mainly, it was this pandemic too, that kind of really uh, gave me time to experience it. Um, and my partner has been wonderful about um, allowing me to shed a lot of coats that were um, really bringing me down. So I'm, um, really excited to discover an, uh, a new sense of self in the new, in the, in the theater world with this newfound queerness that I've, that I've come to discover. And I hope that it's a journey, you know, no one's really um, done with their, their queer journey ever. Um, and that's exciting. You know, that's a, that's a pretty liberating thing to, to know. So I wish anybody out there on that journey uh, love and light and strength because you will battle a lot of obstacles, but um, they will make you stronger and I think they will make you more sure of the uh, the queer queer superhero that you are. Love that. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Pedro. So I, I know you gotta you gotta run. So we're gonna just wrap up really quick with a another uh, rapid fire round of questions uh, called now that we know you since we've gotten to know you mm -hmm. in the last uh, 25 minutes or so. Uh, so we're going to start with some of these are a little bit more challenging, uh, but we won't do too, too many since you do have to run. Uh, so we'll start with uh, explain your worst audition in three words and no further explanation is needed. So just three words wow. and that's it. Ripped pants. No hyphen underwear. <laughs> yeah, count that as one word. Count that as one word. So ripped pants commando. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. You're great. You finished it for me. You finished it for me. I kind of figured that's where it was going. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Really embarrassing if there's nothing. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, what is one thing that people buy that you think is a total waste of money? Oh God. Designer clothes. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest like I don't I, there's like when it's like when it comes to a brand name sometimes I see people that um buy like a brand name shirt for $500 and I was like that looks like a plaid shirt I could have bought a Goodwill right <laughs> their own to each their own if you weren't working in the arts what would you be doing I'd want to study psychology uh, if you go to live anywhere in the world and still pursue your career where would it be Either Spain or Italy. Uh, what's a world issue that you think people should care more about? Climate change. Uh, what is a TV show that you would love to guest star on? I'm going to say I love, I'm obsessed with Stranger Things. They may even be done with the series, but 
Um, that is a it's a it's a it's a good show. Is there a role that got away? There is. I feel like there are so many roles that got away. Yeah, I feel like you know in uh, in theater where there was like you know a couple of Pauls, a couple of Chinos, a couple of uh, and you know the West Side, you know the film, you know there's uh, yeah. in the Heights film show, you know it's and it's endless, you know there's always going to be so many notes and you just gotta push past them. Yeah. What is it? A hundred no's till you get the one yes or the first yeah. yes. Yeah. Seems yeah. like it. I mean, we know what we signed up for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, lastly, in 10 words or less, what advice would you give to a young performer? Use your heart to use your voice. I love that. I love that. I feel like a lot of people are really silenced in their own voice. And I've been finding myself doing that a lot with writing mm-hmm. um, lately. And so I think to understand that no one is just a vessel for someone else's um, art, as we may feel sometimes as performers, um, that using your own voice and your own ability and your own opinions and creative mm-hmm. senses to just make a different, yeah, make a positive mm-hmm. change, I think. Yeah, I think it's really important to remember. Awesome. Thank you so much, Pedro. This was wonderful. Uh, where can people find you on Instagram if they want to give you a follow? Yeah, I am on Instagram at Pedro Gabriel Garza, all one word. Uh, yeah. Awesome. And you all can follow us at Actors with Issues on Instagram. You can follow me at Juaniala Official. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Anchor, for supporting the show. Head on over to anchor.fm to get started on your very own podcast, 100% free. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and review wherever you're listening, and catch new episodes every Friday on all podcasting platforms. I'm Juaniala. That's Pedro Garza. And this is Actors with Issues.